Good morning and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast. Local government is a pillar of our community. We all contribute financially and rely on these regional organisations for a multitude of services. However, sometimes as a member of the public, it can be difficult to understand what challenges they are facing, the solutions they are implementing, and fundamentally, how that affects our day-to-day lives. The purpose of this podcast is to shine a light on topics and issues that are prevalent in local authorities across the UK at the present time. And hopefully, by shining a light on the problems local authorities are facing, the solutions they're implementing, it will drive a greater level of engagement with local authorities across the UK. My name is Matt Masters. I work with local authorities across the UK providing interim resourcing solutions for projects and vacancies and have done so for the best part of a decade. I am passionate about local government, the work they complete, and the benefit of a well-run council on the local community it serves. Fundamentally, it's my belief that understanding what your local authority is doing against a tide of challenges is something that everyone should have easy access to. It is for everyone, not just for political activists. In today's episode, we have gone through three of the key, well, three key areas that we feel you, the listener, would be interested in hearing about. We've got uh, an in-depth analysis of the Birmingham City Council's equal pay liability payout, the funding gap, and the creation of Offlog by Mr. Michael Gove. So let's start with Birmingham. So for context, Birmingham Council is the largest council in the UK. It's enormous. But they have come out saying they may have to declare bankruptcy after being found to have not paid their female counterparts the same pay that they've paid their male employees for the same level or same type of job. Now, we're not talking a couple of million. We're talking between 650 and 760 million pounds. To provide context, this is in addition to the 1.1 billion pounds in equal pay claims that's been paid out over the last decade. That's five to 14 million pounds a month. And the council's annual revenue budget is 750 million pounds. I mean, the scale of this lawsuit is absolutely enormous. And you know, quite rightly so. It's disgraceful that you know female employees have not been paid the same as their male counterparts. What's the consequence? Well, the council's already come out and put spending controls in place. And they've said to central government that if they cannot find a solution, they're not ruling out declaring bankruptcy. So for those of you that aren't familiar with um, local government, that will be issuing a section 114. You'll have seen it in the news with the likes of Wokingham and Thurrock. Um, It's kind of, you know, a point where the council, if it was a private sector organisation, would shut the doors and close business. But it can't do that as a council. So what happens is they can't provide some of the services that you're used to. But the central government won't let them fail. My question is, will we see more claims coming out? I cannot believe that Birmingham is the only council that would have had a discriminatory pay policy in the years gone by. And I also want to make the point saying that most of the people that now work for Birmingham City Council have inherited this problem. You know, I know a lot of great people that work for Birmingham City Council in the property, in the regeneration, the planning departments who do a fantastic job um, with massive pressures around budgets for the people of Birmingham. But they should have, you know, this is not a surprise to, you know, 
the senior leadership team at the Birmingham and all the politicians, not after the you know £1.1 billion payout. But I guess the key question here, and the bit that's really important, is what does it mean for the people of Birmingham? We're going to see a cut in frontline services. And it comes at a time where we've already got the police not going out to um, support mental health call-outs. We've got a point where there is more than ever huge focus on um, you know, child services and also on adult services. And we're at a, luckily, I think we've got through quite a significant amount of the development and regeneration work around, particularly around the city centre. But we've got a lot still to go. In Ladywood, I know there's a number of schemes there. And I just hope that central government steps in with a support, a financial support package that would allow the council to continue to do the good work that it's doing. Not because they were, you know, they deserve to be bailed out of, you know, this this lawsuit. No, I don't, I, they absolutely should pay for it. But the people of Birmingham should not pay for the mistakes and the sexism of previous officers at the council. The next thing I want to talk to you about was the funding gap. Now, English councils face a three billion pound funding gap over the next two years alone. And that's just to maintain services at their current levels. The Local Government Association did a new study on this recently. And it's horrifying, absolutely horrifying. It's terrifying. So the cost of councils delivering their services will exceed their core funding by two billion pounds this year. Two billion pounds. And in 2024, 2025, it's going to be 900 million. Now, if you're as sad as I am and you looked at what the Bank of England said about uh, particularly the inflation projections, we could be looking at a further $740 million in cost pressures this year and an extra $1.5 billion in 2024-2025. Now, there's a really, um, a really great guy called uh, Pete Marland, who's the LGA's resource board chair. And he came out this week saying, inflation... The national living wage, energy costs, and ongoing increased demand for services are all adding billions of extra cost to councils just to keep services standing still. But if you're like me, you probably sat there going, surely we're in 2023, we have a sustainable and long-term clarity from central government about how they're going to fund local authorities across the UK. Surely. No, we don't. And that's the thing that Section 151 officers who I speak to regularly tell me. What they want is clarity from central government. At the moment, we're used to having one-year settlements or one-year deal. It simply isn't good enough. So the solution we need is greater funding certainty for councils through multi-year settlements and more clarity on financial reform. We're going to do a piece later in the series around devolution and how empowering local communities to look after local communities is the way in which we should be running this country. And also having you know, a real consistent message of central government needs to let go of the control of certain areas. You know, we've got Michael Gove, the current local government secretary, admitting that the current funding system does not work everywhere. I mean, that's a, I think it's a slight understatement, but uh, nevertheless and promise to deliver a new, simpler landscape. I mean, with all the political instability at the moment and the potential change going from Conservative to a Labour or some form of coalition, you just hope this doesn't get lost in that transition. I mean, one thing I think that we really need to get 
a grip on is levelling up. The, the funding uh, or the, the bidding application process, I mean, I speak to a lot of heads of regeneration around this. It is so, just if you're, if you're listening at home, levelling up has been in the newspaper. We've seen some great work being done by Stoke-on-Trent, Phil Cresswell before he, he left the council um, and John Roos's council there. Um, but when, what all the government said was, right, we want to regenerate outside of London. So they made these big pots of money available, but the councils had to build these very complex and sophisticated um, regeneration schemes, uh, not regeneration schemes, but the kind of the, the bidding application for these regeneration schemes. They are incredibly, incredibly long. They take a lot of time. They take a lot of resource. And, you know, you can't help but think sometimes they're vote winners. You know, it's, it's a political selection rather than it being a needs-based and so, you know, a lot of people I've spoke to have asked for this third round. It's actually on a needs-based system rather than just on the application system. But going back to the broader point around the funding gap, what does it mean for, for us, the people? Well, if we can't get the funding right, it's going to be difficult to deliver frontline services. It's as simple as that. So I think as a society and as a community, we need to keep pressurizing the government. It needs to be a key part, particularly around climate change, where we say, right, we need some consistency on funding and we need to know how the funding is coming. Because, you know, while central government can be great at pushing things like, you know, going back to their climate crisis, um, if we can't fund local authorities and we can't push the key points like that at a local level, it's going to be really challenging. But not impossible. So, third point for the episode, Offlog, the Office for Local Government. Michael Gove launched this this week at the uh, LGA conference, or last week, I should say. And its intention essentially is to step in and to find councils that are going through uh, difficulties and to find issues earlier so that they don't get to the critical point of failing. You know, Wokingham, you know, I, don't, I don't think I'm saying anything out of, out of, out of, you know, out of context here, but a billion pounds in debt. You know, it's, it's, they need to get support so that they can get, you know, far before that critical point. But Lee Rowley, who is the local government minister, said Whitehall had not been asleep and that the new body is different to the Audit Commission abolished in 2015. I mean, I just I just completely disagree. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it is essentially... Councils, just for context, had to... They were told that they were going to have less funding. Greater costs, lower funding, more uncertainty, and that they needed to find a solution to that. So yes, we've had councils that have gone to the wall, and some of them have been incredibly reckless, and it's been you know ill-judged programs. But the, the few should have ruined it for the many. And there are some councils doing some amazing things. But the point I'm trying to make is that councils are under huge pressures to innovate, to find capital, to pay for frontline services. And I don't think you can hold somebody, you know, and say that, you know, the, the blame sits entirely with local government because they haven't got necessarily sometimes the infrastructure, the knowledge or the in-house capability to deliver these very ambitious plans. So I think in a way, central government has failed local government here and not having the, the support. And I welcome Offlog's creation, but I, I think Whitehall has been slightly asleep. And I think they're very much trying to pass the blame onto local when they themselves have significant responsibility for what has happened. But what does it mean for us, the people? 
Well, hopefully with Offlog, we're going to see councils being run with a greater level of, inte- not integrity, but some, a better level and quality. The plans will have to go through much more rigorous training. Um, sorry, more rigorous, um, you know, kind of quality checks. And on the training piece, they've announced that there's going to be more funding available for senior leadership teams to receive training, particularly the chief executives, to ensure that they they are governing and they are leading the, the council in the right direction. So it should be a good thing. But that's all we've got time for today. So thank you for listening to the Truth About Local Government podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like the podcast and add me on LinkedIn. You can let me know if there are any topics that you would like covered in our series. We're going to have some really exciting guests coming up this series and I'll go into more detail later on. But thank you for listening and have a great day.